This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the No Name Ever podcast. I'm Jamie Smith and my guests today are Andrew Frost and Andy Deveni, a pair of contributors for the website. Uh, we'll be talking about the Bolton game, mainly in today's podcast, but we're also looking forward to tomorrow's cup tie away at York City. Uh, Burnley drew 1-1 in the opening game of the season at home to Bolton, a repeat of last year's opening fixture. Danny Ings gave us the lead, although it's gone down as an own goal to David Wheater. The shot deflected in off the defender. But Bolton equalised just a few minutes later when Darren Prattley turned in Chris Eagles' cross. Sean Dyche, after the game, said that we maybe did enough to nick it. Um, he said, The performance was pretty good. It was a large part of the games where we looked really good. We were solid, had a good shape and energy about us, but also created some really good chances. Dash said he was really pleased overall, but he would just rather have had the win. Um, he explained the change he made near the end, where Danny Ings was replaced by David Edgar, as a response to Bolton being quite physical and need to defend set pieces better in the last few minutes. Danny Ings has also been talking after his goal went down as an own goal. He wants to claim it. He claims he was having a shot. And he did a lot of hard work to get past Wheater. He said his shot was on target and he went in. So at the end of the day, it's my goal. Ings said, you have to take every goal, whether it comes off your shin, your nose, anything. It's my goal at the end of the day. Um, I'm not sure he's going to get that goal, but fingers crossed for him. And finally, Dash has also been talking about the search for Charlie Austin's replacement. Of course, Austin sold to QPR for a fee believed to be about £3 million last week. Dash said it's not going to be a big money signing to come in to replace Austin. He said, we're not going to be spending a couple of million pounds on a player because we can't afford to do that, suggesting we're probably going to be looking probably lower league players. Dash said, we have to look accordingly to what is appropriate for the club and what the club can afford. It is important, first of all, that we look at our own, but we are on the lookout for sure. So it sounds like the transfers could be incoming, but something that's going to be worked on. So we'll go straight into a chat about the Bolton game. 1-1, do you think that was a fair result, Andrew? Um, over the course of 90 minutes, I'd probably say, yeah. I think we started really well, we started really positively. Uh, we were getting it wide, which I was impressed with, especially the Trippy bombing down that right wing. That's what he was doing more in the first season, and not so much 
last season, so we need to encourage that more. I think Bolton grew into the game more, and just before we scored, actually, I thought they were on top. There was a few scrambles in our box. We got the goal against a runner player, I thought. And then we grew into it again. In the second half, I think, very even. There weren't really many chances all game, whether it was about three on target for each side. Yeah, it was but, quite tight all game. So over the course of the 90 minutes, I'd say, on reflection, a 1-1 draw was fair, yeah. I think 1-1 was probably fair as well. Do you agree, Andy? Did either side do enough to win it? I think we deserved to win it, to be honest. I was just a bit disappointed at the, um, the substitutions towards the end. I thought we could have uh, killed it off and won it. Uh, do you think the changes were a bit negative? That's one of the points I took from the game. I thought we maybe could have gone for it a little bit more. Yeah, def- I think so. I saw your tweets afterwards, and it kind of—that's exactly what I thought at the time. It was just—we um, just seemed to lack that killer instinct. Um, and he said afterwards that he wanted to, you know, he thought we could win the game, but that didn't seem to show him. Now I thought he'd gone five at the back, but I think he actually went three at the back. So you could argue that was actually more attacking going three-five-one. Um, but it, it did look a bit defensive to me. Yeah, I mean, I was right behind the goal and the Jimmy Max down, so it's difficult to see systems. But Arfield coming on for Stanislas is obviously quite a defensive change. Mm. Um, Stanislas was maybe a little bit tired, but I still thought he was probably our main creative threat. I'm not sure why he left Wallace on instead. Um, Arfield. Sorry. Sorry. I was going to say maybe it's because Dice doesn't like me and you. He's took our top our favourite players off. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> We were a big fan of Danny Ings and we'll come to him in a short while, but Wallace for me didn't really offer enough and it would have been him that was first off for me. Yeah. Arfield, Arfield didn't really look like a creative player at all. He got up and down, put his fuss in a couple of times, but he's not the sort of player who's going to come on and provide the goal. Um, Danny Ings went off with a bit of cramp apparently, that was, that's why he needed to go off at the end. Right. Again, David Edgar coming on for him, that's a defensive change. What did you make of the substitutions, Andrew? Um, I think Stanislas, I'm going to probably anger you both there, I thought he was one of our worst Ooh. players. Ooh. <laughs> I, just, I don't... I don't, don't I, I'm not sure what to do now. I want to keep you off the podcast. <laughs> I'm not sure I should do that. On his day, he can create a lot of things. I just think he has too many off days where he, he can't get past people with his pace. He relies on his crossing ability. I just didn't think it was there on Saturday. I'm just yeah, uh, rel- wasn't great. I'm going to relate back to you did a post last week about should wingers play on the right sides like a right footer on the right wing. I think on Saturday he was cu- cutting into that left foot and he just wasn't happening for him. Mm. So I wasn't too surprised to see him go off. But there again, Scarfield, I think he's centre midfielder into by trade. So yeah, I think he normally plays in the middle, but Dash obviously brought him on to solidify that wing for the last few minutes. Yeah, so putting him on the wing, we're never going to get any real creativity down that side. And I agree with Wallace as well. I didn't think he had a particularly good game. I just think, overall, we're lacking a bit of pace. And look yeah, at I definitely agree there. Look Taking Patterson out of the team is going to make a big impact. Yeah, and looking at the bench, we just had... I don't think we have that many options to change a game, so I don't think Dyche could really do that much, apart from Solidify, really. No, you're right. I mean, you look at our strongest 11, and it looks OK. I mean, we've do probably need a replacement for Austin up front and yeah. we are quite thin across various areas of the squad but there were a couple of options there, I mean he signed Ryan Noble for a year, said he's going to play mainly with the development squad but what's the point in signing him if he's not going to play he could have thrown Noble on for yeah. the last few minutes um, 
what do, what do you think of the changes, Andy? Do you think maybe Tracy O'Noble could have come on and it would have been more attacking? Dash could have tried to force the game a little bit? I, going back to the wingers thing, I, I, I get frustrated when they play a, a left foot on a right wing. I couldn't understand why they do it. And halfway through a game, if you do it, to sort of mix defenders up if they're marking man for man, that's fair enough. But I just think they, no one's getting to the byline and putting the ball in. But the balls we did put in, I thought uh, Volks was quite ineffective. He never seemed to be in the right place. So when we went one up front with him, I just thought, well, I didn't think we were going to get any better. Uh, I would have took him off, to be honest. Well, it's an interesting point about the wingers. I think one of the main points about playing the opposite wingers, and I'm quite a fan of the opposite wingers, is that it means there's space for the full-backs to go forward. And with Trippier being such yeah. an important player for us, I think with Wallace cutting inside and creating that space for Trippier, that's a major part of our play. However, if you don't have Austin in that six-yard box putting those crosses in, yeah. the crosses that Volks isn't going to attack, it maybe means we need a different approach. Trippier, for me, wasted a couple of really good crossing positions, but there were two or three across the six-yard box that you would have you would have put money on Austin putting in, and Volks just wasn't in the right place. Um, do you think maybe we need to change that approach, or should we be looking for a forward to replace Austin to put those crosses in, Andrew? Um, I think, on like you said, on the right side, it works well. I just think on the left, I don't think Laft is in the same, well, at the moment, anyway, in the same league as Trippier in terms of getting down that wing and putting the balls in. So I'd probably look for a natural left-sided winger on the left, in my personal opinion. Maybe it is Tracy, maybe. But there again, he's too inconsistent, as we saw last season. So I think Dash is going to have to look to either utilise a loan market or bring somebody in down the left side for me. Well, we certainly need to add a bit more pace. And I think any forward that does come in will need to be quick. Ryan Noble's apparently got a bit of pace, but we're not sure how much he's going to play. Uh, James has been on the live chat. He can't join us today because he's stuck at work, but he's joining in with the chat. He says Jose Mourinho wants to play wingers on the wrong side. So that's the end of that debate. <laughs> Jose Mourinho says that's the way to do it. Ginger Mourinho. Whereas our Ginger Mourinho also plays him on the opposite side. <laughs> Craig's been on as well, he's saying Trippier played every other player off the park on Saturday, but there was no one on the end of his crosses and you can see him leaving in the next transfer window. Um, Trippier's a funny one really, because he was like standing in his first season, and then the second year was maybe not as good, but that's when he got the accolade, the player of the year, the right back of the year award, but he looked back to his old self on Saturday, I thought Trippier was probably one of our better players, do you agree Andy? Uh, yeah, definitely. He had a great game. I think the reason why he went off the boil a bit is because I think he was being told not to go across the halfway line by Dyche's uh, uh, framework systems that he seems to uh, have a lot of faith in. Um, and I think maybe he sort of realised that he does need him to come up the field a bit because he's definitely getting further forward. And it's definitely, that has to be the result of what the manager's telling him to do, in my opinion. Yeah, I think that's a fair point. Dash obviously wanted to tighten us up when he first came in, and it worked initially, at least when when the goals we were conceding dried up. I mean, we won the first games with clean sheets, but certainly Trippier was staying back a lot more than he was. Uh, on the point you just made about Lafferty, Andrew, do you think yeah. we can play with two attacking fullbacks? Um, Lafferty's crossing's quite good, but he has to get into those positions. Yeah. At times last season, I thought Lafferty was a really good player, but I don't know whether it was just a bit of rustiness, but on Saturday, I thought in that first half, he was having a torrid time against Eagles, personally. But 
Personally, I'd rather play me there, just to solidify it. Like you said, you have one attacking wing-back on one side and a more solid one on the other. And I'd also do that with the wingers. I'd rather have a pacey winger on me side, so you've got a bit of pacing solidity at the back. But on the other side, you've got Wallace, who... Because he can play more defensive Wallace, in, in, in wingers' terms anyway, and let Trippier bomb on. I like that balance on either side. Yeah, I think the reason Wallace, Wallace gets in the side pretty much every week is that he, he does work pretty hard defensively and he'll cover his fullback. But whether he offers enough as, a, as an attacking threat, I'm not sure. Um, Ganks has been on the live chat. He says Lafferty was ball-watching for the goal on Saturday. It came across to Eagles and he was in too much space, but then everyone seemed to shift across the box and then Prattley ran into the space and he had a tapping, really. Um, I'm not sure if it's just Lafferty's fault for the goal, but he probably was out of position a little bit. We've got to remember with players like Lafferty and Kevin Long as well, they're really still quite young and inexperienced, though. Yeah. We've got to forgive them the odd mistake, and we're going to have to put our faith in these young players. Yeah, I don't think you can argue with it was all solely Lafferty's fault on Saturday. I think it was more of the back four. I just think in general terms, all Lafferty was a bit poor. But there again, the second half he improved and we were much more solid, I thought, so... Can't really complain in that respect. He learned his lesson at half-time, maybe. Do you think it was our strongest team out on Saturday, or would you be looking at Duff, obviously not quite there yet, and Ben Mee's injured as well? Would you bring those two into our strongest team, Andy? Uh, no, I think the, I think the defence is as strong as, as strong as you could put out for us. I like every every player in there. I think uh, Duff's there to do a job, um, but I definitely have Kevin Longing over him every day of the week. I think he's a, he's going to be a great player for us. Um, Lafferty, I didn't think he had that bad a game to be honest, but you know we all we all seem to watch a different game. Um, I did notice though when Eagles scored, um, he didn't look very happy. Uh, sorry, when he set the goal up, he didn't look very happy and kind of apologised to the fans. I don't, no one seems to pick that up. Um, I was a bit disappointed that everyone booed him to be honest. <laughs> I, I was booing Eagles, but more of a sort of pantomime type thing. Actively There was a bit where I think was it Trippier who went through him on the the right hand side, and he lay down and decided he needed some treatment. Yeah. And then a minute later, he was running around like nothing, like a gazelle. Yeah, he's <laughs> absolutely fine. Got the magic sponge, That's and then he was running twice as fast. Yeah. It was on the floor a lot on Saturday, I think Eagles. Yeah, I'm not sure who responded to the, the some of the boos in the crowd. I don't. I think that's partly why people were booing him. They thought he'd maybe go into his shell a little bit. Yeah, I thought he was the best player in the park for the first 40 minutes. Well, this is it. We were saying about Lafferty having a poor game, but that's partly because Eagles was playing against him. And Eagles is up there with the top wingers in the division, so it's only fair to give Lafferty a bit of credit for sticking by. Yeah. reasonably well I mean, the goal came from his side it's only about 21 isn't he I think is he I'll check but I think Lafferty's like 22 or something he's not played a lot of football at no. this level obviously he came from Ireland which is a big step up really yeah Lafferty's 24 so he hasn't been around for quite a while but he's only played 20 odd games for us so he's, pl- he's only going to get better so I'm playing Morecambe um, I think it was must have been a reserve game no, it can't have been a reserve game, was it? Cup game? Is it friendly? Yeah, friendly. Yeah, friendly. It's friendly this summer. Um, well, last year, though, it weren't this year. And um, and, he, and he looked pretty good. I think it was yeah, it was a reserve game last year, uh, the other year when uh, when he first came. His first game, and he was uh, he, looked, he looked impressive. I've, all, I've liked him. I think he's really good on the ball, is that? He's a footballing type player. But, like we said, whether you can play two 
fullbacks both like that, especially if you're playing four in midfield. It's questionable whether you're leaving yourself going forward too much. I always think about one of the games we played last season just before High left, the defeat at Palace. We were 2 0 up in the first half and we were still attacking when we should have probably tried to soak up some pressure. And their first goal came when we were attacking and both our fullbacks had gone forward. Yeah. Nobody had dropped into the space. Zaha exploited it and then they were back in the game. So I think we have to be aware that if both fullbacks are going forward, someone has to cover and maybe just shuffle everyone along a bit if someone does go forward. We've learned to play with that quite well with Trippier because we're used to it. But Lafferty's quite new and he's certainly more adventurous than Ben Mee. I think Dash does prefer Ben Mee, but Mee seems to pick up a lot of these little niggly injuries that keep him out for two or three weeks. So it's, it's Lafferty's shirt for me until he makes a mistake that maybe brings me back in. Yeah, I can't argue with that. I think Ben Mee as well. I see as more of a centre-back than a left-back. But is he tall enough to play at centre-back? His height appears to be a bit of a problem for some people. What do you make of me, Andrew? I don't know. <laughs> we haven't really seen much of him at centre-half, have we, to be honest? So No, no he's played mainly at left-back. Yeah, at left-back, he's competent, let's say. But I, I can see what you mean. I would prefer him at centre-back, but obviously without seeing him play there, I'm going to reserve judgment. But I think he... He must be quite good because Leicester took a punt on him, didn't they, a few years ago when they were splashing millions out left, right and centre. So, and Sven picked him up. So he must have something about him at centre-half. And I just go back to that, that Reading game when he put his head on the line. If, <laughs> if, he, does, that. if he does this that at the centre-half, you can't go wrong, can you? <laughs> that game was on telly, wasn't it? And yeah. I think everyone was tweeting about that block after the game. I think even Michael Owen was saying how impressed he was that Ben Mee just thrown his head in the way. He's an icon <laughs> after that game, I think, just for that. <laughs> I think everyone will remember him for that moment. Yeah, just going back to what you said about the attacking wingers, I'm just thinking about Saturday. I think if you do play attacking wingers, you need your centre midfield, your defensive one, to fill in that role, say they go up. But on Saturday, I, I don't know, I don't know about you two, but I didn't know who was the defensive out of the both of them. I'm not sure. I think they they alternate. I don't think Dash wants one to sit more than the other. I think they want to just take turns. Yeah, I think that, that goes back to that framework thing, 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 doesn't it? No, I mean we sort no. we sort quite a bit about like these frameworks, but in practice, I think they're more for sort of guidelines rather than rigid rules. People have to be here at this time. I think Jones. We'll talk about Jones for a bit. Um, Obviously, he's coming to replace Chris McCann. I thought he had a bit of a mixed game on Saturday. A couple of passes were quite poor, gave away possession in midfield. But apart from that, he looked really calm, not unhurried, like pretty comfortable on the ball. What do you make of Jones so far, Andrew? Uh, I've been impressed. That was the first time I've actually seen him. Like I've seen him before in the telly at Wigan and that. I've always been impressed with him, to be honest. Like he was at Manchester United when he was younger, so he's obviously got a bit of technical mouse about him. Um, like you said, he was a bit sloppy at first. Well, that might have just been nerves, debut, home debut. But after that, I think he grew into the game. But like I was saying, I felt, felt that sometimes there was just a bit too much space in centre midfield. Because Marnie is very attacking. Her. I think Jones has got a bit of an attacking instinct to him as well. So I just think. I think he does like to get forward, yeah. Yeah, they just need to. I don't know, it's probably coming time now, just working it a bit. If one goes forward, one sits. But other than that, yeah. I was impressed with Jones on Saturday, yeah. Did you think Jones had a good game, Andy? Um, I think 
him and uh, Zinedine Marnie, as uh, Andrew Griggs calls him, I think they're going to one another's way quite a bit, actually. Uh, they, they seem to be quite um, tight in midfield, and, and at times they were almost like it was one's going past the other one's nearly tripping over it. You know, it just, I don't know. Um, but I don't I didn't think they had a bad game, and I think, I think him and Marnie will have a good partnership. I think, yeah, that's the sort of thing that'll come in time. I mean, they've had pre-season together. Jones obviously only signed last week, but he's been playing with us all pre-season. I think, given time, it'll be a good partnership. Ganks has been on the chat. He says Jones wasn't brilliant and he doesn't look quick enough to see the pass. I think when, when we do just play the two in central midfield, moving the ball quickly is going to be really important. We didn't do that enough last year for me. But I think there's signs that Jones and Marnie are going to try and move the ball quickly. And it's obviously the point that we're going to get the balls to the wingers and to the full-backs when they go forward and try and get the cross into the box as much as possible. Whether we can get the right cross into the box is a different question. Were, but I do think that's how we set up to play. They were dropping back quite a bit, I noticed. Um, you know, when, they, when, they wing, when they're going forward and the ball's going back to the keeper and the centre-halves are sort of going wide, the, the wingers are going up. Marnie or Jones was sort of filling that that gap in the middle and he was sort of collecting it off the keeper a few times yeah well I think someone has to do that yeah, Shackles definitely. Shackles really good on the ball for a sense back but Kevin Long I think needs to work on his distribution there was a, a piece we put on the site today by um, a lad called Wadju we've got writing for us who said Bolton's pressing game they'd had Enstad Long as the man who was going to have to play the ball out from the back so they worked it so that he was under pressure and then had to hit the ball a bit longer, whereas Shackle, he tends to find the space a bit better just with the experience. So I think the long passes that we did see from Kevin Hall were basically because he was being rushed into playing the ball forward and he was just sort of aiming it up the pitch towards folks. Mm. We, we when Bolton weren't pressing, we were passing the ball from the back. And Heaton, especially, was really keen to get the ball moving quickly. There was one moment in the first half where there was a free kick awarded and I think Volks had gone almost on like the American football go along and he had gone to pick him out but hadn't quite got there. It showed how alive he was to the possibilities and how comfortable he was to take a pass on early. And we didn't see much of Heaton, but I think that was a really promising part of his debut. What did you make of Heaton so far, Andy? Uh, I thought he was superb. I mean, he made he made a, a top class save, sort of tipping it around the post. Um, and he, he made a few where, um, you know, when he launched himself into the air and he was well covered. Um, I think he was far more agile. Well, the, probably the most agile keeper we seem to have had for quite a while. Um, I mean, I've always liked him before he came to Burnley. I think he's a good keeper and he's um, definitely one of the best signings we've made this summer. Well, my friend who was on the game with me said that he, he thought Heaton looked a bit small, but he looks he got into, really agile, get yeah. around his goal okay. He got into he top corner alright, didn't he? Yeah, well, exactly, that was a really good save, probably the save of the game. Like Andrew said earlier, there wasn't that much to do for either goalkeeper, I think it was Craig Davies after he came on, with a, a sharp shot and Heaton sort of sprung away to his right and kept it out quite well. So, yeah, that was fine. He had no choice, with cha no chance to get to the goal. So, as the debut went, I think it was pretty much as good as we could expect. Mm. Uh, Craig's been on the on the live chat that we've got going, which um, is available at mixler.com slash never slash chat. He says, Heaton showed some great potential. He made a great top corner save and showed good, strong hands. So, Heaton and Jones were the two debut Thompson's side. There's Noble and Arfield on the bench as well. 
do you think we're going to be looking to add to that in the next couple of weeks, Andrew? I hope so. I certainly hope so. Now, I don't know how much we got for Austin. I don't think anybody knows. But it, I've heard rumours of 2.25 and then I've heard rumours of 4. But if it is yeah, 4... It'll be something in between there, I think. And it'll probably all be closers and some of it will be now and some of it in the year's time. Yeah. So it could be anything, really. So, say, for example, it was about 3. If if I, I'm hoping that the board will be quite ambitious and spend a million... But not on just one player, though, because I think that would be silly. I think what you have to look to do is get two quality additions without two million. And maybe a cheeky loan signing in there. So I'd look at three players, really. Because we've got a squad of about, what is it, 18, 19. Try and get up to about... I'm quite sure. You think, like, when the winter comes wrong and we're having to play twice a week and injuries and suspensions, like, we are going to be quite short. Exactly. I, I always like the figure of 22 players in a squad. Like, one cover, one every, every position. Yeah, that's exactly. Exactly. So, hopefully, Dash can do something before the window closes. Now, from what he said earlier, it looks like he said he's wanting to... Is it forge links or something with other clubs in regards to transfers? So, I don't know whether that means he's already looking into the loan market. I think he used the loan market quite well while I was at Watford, didn't he? I mean, not to the extent they have in the last couple of years with becoming Udinese's reserve team. Mm. But there were quite a few good loans that Dash signed. So, that's probably an option he will look at. I mean... Alex Kachaniklic was quite a good signing on paper. He didn't really do it for us. But it was good sort of potential, good pedigree, and he did really well when he went up to Fulham. So if we can bring in someone of that standard on loan, yeah. I think everyone would be pretty happy. I'd be looking at uh, maybe looking at Manchester United. Maybe, um, is it was it called Jesse Lingard? He was featured heavily in pre-season. Yeah, he's got a few goals in pre-season, Alfie Lingard. Is he an attacking midfielder? I think so. I think he might play in the wing as well. But you should be... If I was Dash, I'd be looking at these kind of players. They haven't been out on loan before. Get him some first-team football. Maybe in Jerry Cheeky one for Nick Powell. He's got a lot of potential. Nick Powell's a very interesting player. I think it, there would be Premier League teams interested if he was going to go out on loan. He's yeah. probably a similar stage of his development as Tom Cleverley was a couple of years ago when he went out on loan to Wigan. Yeah. Please. They'd probably be looking to get him in the top flight if possible, but I agree, Powell's an excellent, excellent player. I'm being praised on the live chat for my pronunciation of Alex Kachaniklic. Uh. I didn't practice it at all. <laughs> I'm just naturally brilliant at saying names. So you, got, they, you got mine wrong. <laughs> oh, well, not that brilliant to say <laughs> Thanks for dropping me in it there, Andy. Sorry. I really appreciate that. <laughs> We've had a suggestion on the live chat that um, Jason Gilchrist, one of the youth team players, what, development squad now, I think, maybe could be in line for a step up. Um, scored a lot of goals in the, the FA Youth Cup run last season. Scored a hat-trick at Old Trafford. I think he got a hat-trick in a friendly at Paddyham a couple of weeks ago. So he's obviously very talented in front of goal. I actually um, bumped into him outside the turf on Saturday, uh, name-dropping there. Yeah. He does seem quite slight. There's not much of him. I think he needs to bulk up a little bit before he's anywhere near first team action. Um, you see a little bit of the youth team, don't you, Andy? If, what do you make of Gilchrist? Have you seen much of him? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, the ones that they let us go and watch, yeah. Um, he's, uh, <laughs> I think, I think he's, he's quality. Um, but again, he's only young, so he's about 18, I think, and in 19, possibly. I think, um, yeah, he's certainly still a teenager. And I, and I, I tend to agree with what you said. I think he's kind of of the ilk of what J-Rod was. Um, and he went through that season when he was playing alongside Kyle where he sort of bulked up a bit and beefed up. Um, and I think you could be right there. But um, 
because no, I don't, obviously won't make him technically any better, but it'll stop him getting shoved off the ball because um, he yeah, think he will get bullied around a lot if he played. Um, but you know, if you give him the ball, he can put it in. He can certainly put it in the back of the net. There's not many people scored that trick at United. Well, it's the old adage, isn't it? If you if you're good enough, you're old, old enough. enough. Yeah, absolutely. And if he keeps knocking in half tricks, then I don't think Dash will be able to ignore him. But it is obviously a big step up. Didn't uh, Noble score a lot for uh, Sunderland? Sorry, they're reserving. You think he did? Ryan yeah. Noble was a really strange case actually because he scored a lot of goals for their youth team and he scored a lot of goals for their reserve team, but he never got a chance in the first team. No, I think he's played pregnant as well, isn't he? Um, I'm not sure. There was one. There was one point when I think I think it was when Steve Bruce left and Martin O'Neill came in. Noble scored something like three hat tricks in four reserve games. So you think if if you're going to get a chance, that's how you're going to get in. Yeah, I just think he maybe should be given a chance ahead of Gilchrist. Well, you would expect so, wouldn't you? I mean, there's no point signing him if you're then going to play kids from the youth team instead. Exactly. But I think Gilchrist is an option, and maybe he's going to go out on loan at some point this season. Just while we're talking about the youth team, uh, we haven't announced it on the site yet, but we are sponsoring a youth team player this season for the first time. Jack, Ar- Jack Errington, sorry, uh, the centre-back from the northeast of England is going to be sponsored by us and you'll be able to see our name in the programmes all season so that's a really positive step for the site and that's something we're going to be looking into doing more of we really want to support the youth team players as much as possible um, is there anyone else from the, the youth that you think is perhaps ready for stepping up Andy? Um, oh, uh, yeah, I mean you've got um, uh Where's your record playing? New Zealand. Um, Cameron Allison. Right. Um, right, he, I thought, is he back yet? Or is he still, still around international? He is back. Um, I saw him outside the turf as well. But I think I think he certainly could, could do a job. Um, you know, he, he's a big strong lad. Uh, again, he's only eighteen, but he's you know he's quite. He's about, I bet he's five five eleven six foot. He's a he's a decent sized lad, uh, but he's very strong and his distribution superb. Um, but you know whether he getting over sort of Marnie or um, uh, you know pro- probably not. Um, but um, I think they should use him in the in the cups, you know, um, and give him maybe a run out. Maybe he'll get a goal tomorrow night. Although I think the fact that he's missed a lot of pre-season might come yeah. against him there. And we'll talk about York shortly. Um, Ganks has been on the chat again. And he says Jamie Frost needs to get a mention. He's in the under 17s at the moment. He's a brilliant prospect. So uh, you heard it here first. Jamie Frost, one to look out for. And Adam suggested that we take a look at Will Hughes at Derby County. And he'd probably be well out of our price range already. I've read that he's been watched by teams like Liverpool already. I think Hughes has got a huge future, but way, way out of our price range. And we'll talk a little bit about possible replacements for Charlie Austin at the end of the podcast. So if you are listening live, feel free to throw some names at us and we'll uh, tell you if we've heard of them and if we think they're any good. Uh, so York City tomorrow night in the, the Capital One Cup first round. Should we be looking at playing a strong team to get that unit to gel together or is this an opportunity to play some younger lads and see if they're good enough, Andrew? Um, I play mix. I don't think we have, like I said before, a big enough squad to rotate it fully. But I'd like to see some players like O'Neill get a bit of first team action. Uh, I don't know how you pronounce it. Is it Chisak in the net? Alex I don't know how you pronounce it either, but yeah. Chisak, Alex. something like that anyway. But, um, I don't know what's the situation with Duff. Is he still injured? Or? 
I don't think Duff will be available now. But some of these um, backup players like Stock, just bring them in with a few first team players like Volks, try and get him a goal to get his confidence. So I'd rest players like Ings, our key players, Ings, Trippier, and the keeper, rest them for Saturday. Bring in some of these, and maybe even some of the youth team players like Andy's been mentioning, put them on the bench and have a mixed side out. It's all experience, isn't it? Yeah. If you put someone like Gilchrist on the bench, even if he doesn't get on the pitch, it'll be an experience to travel with the first team squad and be around it. Totally. And it all adds to the package, and it's the sort of thing that comes together in time. You can what, do you, what do you think of tomorrow night, Andy? What sort of team should we be looking to play? I, I agree it should be a, a mix, and I, but I definitely think you should put out a side that will that'll win. I mean, not to say that any of the players that we've got wouldn't go out to, uh, to win, but we've got to progress in the cup. I mean, any when people say about Mickey Mouse Cup, that just infuriates me. Um, you know, there's no part of entering a competition if you don't have an, an ambition to win it. Um, and at the end of the day, it's the only way that we can get into Europe. Um, so, you <laughs> know, uh, you need ambition. Of course, you, you have to have that ambition. Um, I can't can't go tomorrow, unfortunately. But I, I, I generally do go to these sort of games. Um, I mean, we've had we've had super cup runs in the past, and if if we get into the later stages, which we have done on numerous occasions, it's it's cash. It's money, which means we can probably well. spend it in January, you know. So it, Plus you know. The, the momentum that gets provided totally. by that sort of cover, and everyone gets excited about a cover. Obviously, York are a couple of leagues below us, so you would expect us to be able to play a couple of the fringe players and still, no disrespect to York, mm. but we should still be able to get the result. I mean, I personally would be looking at probably play the same unit at the back, because with, with Heaton being new, I think it's important he learns to play with those defenders. So I don't think I'd change anything there. But I would certainly bring Stock in, maybe give Noble a start uh, in place of Ings, just to make sure he doesn't pick up any injuries or anything. I think it's perfect opportunity to give Tracy a chance to show what he can do. I think if he's, if Tracy's not going to play at York, then there's no point having him. Might as well just get rid of him. Um, <laughs> he's look, he looked good at Morecambe. He looked very... Um, uh, you know, people want to chuck pies at him, but he, look, he looks as fit as anyone else people, on that pitch. People do say that he's been looking very tripped. He did, he did yeah. He's looking he's great. Get on the pitch. But he, he played. I think he played all right at Morecambe uh, pre-season. He, he, he got the ball into the box numerous times and actually went past people, which, you know... Um, arguably, some of like Wallace and Wallace and Stanislas don't do. So. I think that's that's what Tracy does bring to the table. He'll take people on, and he's not afraid to have a go from outside the box either. No. So I, I certainly hope he's going to play tomorrow night. I'm heading down. It's one of the nearest games for me, so I'm quite chuffed that we've drawn York. Um, West Fletcher plays with him as well, doesn't he? Who's, uh, who will yeah. like go? So he'll probably score. <laughs> so we're going to have to <laughs> score at least two. You'd think it'd be his motivation. Obviously, Fletcher left on a free this summer. Never really got a look in at Burnley, but on the flip side, didn't impress that much in his loan spells away, so you can understand why we let him go. But it would be typical if he did come back and bite us on the bum with a goal tomorrow night. Yeah. Um, what about Ryan Noble? Obviously, we don't know that much about him because he's not played a lot of first-team football. He seems to be coming in as cover, mainly. Danny Ings is obviously going to be the main player for us this season. And I know you're a big fan of Ings, um, Andy. But what, what do you make of Noble? Is, is he going to be good enough to be cover, or do you think we need to bring in someone else? I don't know much about him, to be honest. And what, what I've seen, sort of, when you, when you look him up on the old uh, Google, um, 
you know, he's not he's not played that much first team football. He's certainly not scored a lot of goals. So, well, not in first team anyway. So to come as a striker is a bit maybe he is a gamble. Um, but he's played he's played for England like under 19s and things. So he can't be he can't be a complete dolloper, can he? It's, it's, uh, it's certainly <laughs> something about him. I think. I mean, mm. you don't score the sheer number of goals he's knocked in for youth teams and no. reserve teams without having some talent. One of the things I've heard from a few Sunderland fans that I know is that he was told a few times by a couple of different managers as well that he needed to bulk up, he needed to work on his strength so he would be ready for the Premier League. Because you can't go into that situation as like a slight lad, you'll just get knocked all over the place. Yeah. Similar to what we were saying about Jason Gilchrist as well. He needed to add some bulk and apparently he just didn't take that advice on board, didn't listen, didn't add the muscle that he needed. And that's partly why he didn't get a goal. Um, Dash worked with him. Was it at Watford? He's been on loan at Watford, yeah. Noble was on loan while Dash was there, not as manager but as assistant, I think. So he obviously thinks there's something in the lad worth having a look. And with him only coming in for a year, it didn't, I think it, it, didn't it is a game, though. but it's probably worth a punt. Sorry, what was that, Andy? Sorry, apparently didn't play for Watford. <laughs> he never made an appearance with them when he went on loan. No, this was a couple of years ago, though, so he was 19 at the time. But, yeah, he's not playing a lot of football, Noble. So, um, talking about Charlie Aston's replacement, um, Billy Sharp is a name that's been mentioned, and personally, he would be close to the top of the list for me. Billy Sharp's agent has been talking to the press today, uh, putting his client's name about, and he said, it's a bit of a difficult one at the moment. He's been pre-season training with Southampton, working hard and obviously wants to try and force his way into the team. Um, his agent, James Featherstone, added, uh, he went out on loan last season and the new manager came in. He hasn't really had a, tra- had a chance to impress, but he wants to play football. He doesn't just want to stay out last year, two years of his contract. His agent added that if he doesn't get a chance at Southampton and the transfer deadline day is coming at the end of August, he'll have to start looking at maybe moving on. Billy Sharp... Would he be on your list of targets, Andrew? Oh, he'd, he'd be right at the top. He's a proven championship goal scorer, that lad. But um, I, I'm surprised that a lot of the so-called bigger clubs in the championship aren't looking at Billy Sharp, to be honest. Like, he's such a proven goal scorer. But I was seeing on uh, BBC today that Barnsley being linked to him. Now, don't, no disrespect to Barnsley, but I think we're a bit bigger club than them. So if Barnsley are in for him, I don't see any reason why we can't go in. Yeah, I saw him linked with Barnsley as well, I think. A loan deal was the one being touted there. I'm not sure what sort of fee they'd be looking for for Sharp, but it, it would presumably be wages that was an issue. And if Barnsley are being linked with him, you would expect that we would be able to certainly compete with them financially. Definitely. I mean, he's been he's played for a few Championship clubs now, Sharp, and he's always scored goals wherever he's been. I think mean, he's probably as close to guaranteed goals as you're going to get. Yeah, I'd, uh, I'd, I'd take him as my top choice, really. Like I said earlier, I'd be looking to spend some of that whatever fee we got for Charlie Austin, and if it came down to it, I'd spend it on him if we could, because I think with him, Vaux, Ings, you've got a real variety there, and then if Noble was this gamble as a backup, so you've got four strikers there, I think there's a real variety which will help us win the season. Apparently the Barnsley manager today has denied an interest in Billy Sharp, uh, David Flickcroft, the manager at Barnsley, so... That's a bit interesting, but it does look like Sharp will be moving on. I think it'll be an excellent signing for someone. I've read, um, I've read that. Uh, well, it is Wikipedia, but well, you know how true that is. But it said Burnley made an offer for him of a million pounds in uh, when we went into the Premier League, and he, and he rejected it, even though 
um, I, I, Doncaster accepted it. So. I think it was when Brian Laws was in charge that we went after Sharp. I thought it was just after we got relegated. Because he'd, well, he'd been at uh, Scunthorpe with Lawson, would he? I'm not sure. Maybe, maybe they'd have been there at the same time. There's a rumour that Sharp wants to go back home to South Yorkshire, which is maybe why clubs like Barnsley get yeah. in. But it's not that far to Burnley, really. It's only a couple of hours, so I don't think that would be prohibitive. I can see him going back to Doncaster. Well, if, if the finances are there, Doncaster have got a bit of money around the club now, don't they? So, possibly. Um, Sheffield Wednesday have been mentioned as well, so I'm sure there's plenty of clubs that will be interested in taking Sharp if it's available. It's just the dash whether he can convince him then. Well, this is it. I mean, we talk about the finances and we know it's going to be tough for Berlin to go for these players when there are other teams interested. But it is partly the manager's job and everyone involved in the recruitment department to persuade players that they should come to serve more instead. I was just going to say that, though. When you said it's Dash's job, haven't we got um, sort of a recruitment guy now, though? Is it, is it not Dash's job anymore? That's, that's the bit that I don't understand what's going on down at the club. I, I'm not sure, to be honest. I don't know how it works in practice. I don't think many managers these days handle negotiations and things like that themselves. They just say who they want and let them handle it. I think how it generally would work would there would be a, a two-way conversation between the people in recruitment. I know it's it's Lee Darnbury, isn't it? The guy in charge at Zerfmore, and they would discuss targets, and then I think Darnbury would go and work on those deals. But there would obviously be a stage where the player would come to discuss terms, and that's when the manager would get involved and try and sell the club to them. So I think it, it's all about teamwork. Yeah, maybe, yeah. There's a couple of names that have been mentioned on the live chat as well. Uh, Brett Pittman was linked, I think, when Eddie Howe was in charge. And also, Sylvan Banks Blake is a name that keeps um, getting picked up. I think I've read re- quite recently that E Banks Blake is injured until October. Yeah, so I'm not sure he'll be realistic. Yeah, but he's it, proven talent. E Banks Blake's got a lot of goals in the championship, and he's on a free. So if we could get him fit, I'm sure he'd be a big asset. What we paid yeah. for it though, will he? Well, no, his wages would probably be relatively That's high. That's a struggle, I think, isn't it? Wages more than more than actual transfer fees. Absolutely. I mean, there was talk that Austin was getting paid sort of twice, three times, even what we were offering with the new contract. Yeah. So goodness knows what he's earning now compared to the deal he was on. Uh, Pittman apparently to go back to Brett Pittman. He signed a three and a half year deal at Bournemouth earlier this summer, so it's probably not realistic to have it. And James has said that Sharp did play at, Lo- at Scunthorpe under Brian Laws when Andrew Keogh was there at the same time. Right. So he was definitely a target then. I think that's when he signed for Doncaster permanently. I think they paid about a million quid for him. He turned us down to go there. But that doesn't mean he wouldn't come now if we were interested. Um, are there any other players? For strikers, particularly Andrew, that you'd like to see us go for? Um, Billy Short was the number one that I was going to say. I like the sound of Ebanks Blake. The only problem is with his fitness. Um, his strike partner, Kevin Doyle, has been linked, hasn't he? Doyle is an interesting one. No, it was only a few years ago. He was being linked with, like, I don't know, seven, eight million moves to Aston Villa and all this. So he can't have turned bad all of a sudden but I was looking at his goal scoring record but then it's not that great to that I think he's it's more been of a, good for the last couple of years has it I think he's more he's, of a he's got creator a lot of talent. 
sets up goals, and I think that's the role that Ings plays for us, so I don't know whether he'd fit in with us. I see Doyle more as a workhorse, really. I think he sort of runs the channels, pressurises defenders. It's almost more of a Patterson type. Yeah, I think we're lacking that clinical finisher. I think Volks is obviously a classic target man. Ings is more... He's like a little creative spark, but I can't imagine him banging in 25 goals a season like Charlie did. So I'll be looking at the goals for it. I think Andy thinks things he's going to get about 40. 40. He's 39 shy. <laughs> Is that just in the league or all competitions? All competitions, obviously. And you're, you're giving Saturday's goals to England. No, it's, def- it's definitely, it's definitely, definitely. 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 I, I, don't, I don't, can't see that, that Saturday's goal being England. The club said, the club said on, sorry, the club said on Twitter that they're going to get the, the rec- it was his and they're going to get the records amended, is what the oh. Twitter said, so. It's worth trying, but I'm not sure how easy these things are to do. Uh, just to go back to Doyle, he signed for Wolves for £7 million, so they would obviously be looking to get some of that back. I think I've read that they're looking for something like £2 million for him, but Celtic have already been making bids of around £750,000, which you would hope would be within our range. I think one of the problems with Doyle, as well as the wages, would be there's no resale value in that deal. I mean, if we sign him on, say, a three-year deal, there's no way we're going to get money back. Apparently, as well, on Ings, and just being told by James, that it's the clubs who decide who the balls go to in the championship. So if we can get Balsam to agree that it's Ings' goal, maybe we can get that change. Yeah. I mean, you wouldn't you wouldn't expect David Wheaters sat there going, no, definitely my own goal. I'm keeping that one. I hope it goes down as things. I just, if you look at the replay, the side on one, it just looks like he's going a mile wide. It looks like he's crossing it into vault, in my opinion. I thought it looked like he was going anyway. He, he said that he was having a shot, and I don't think there's any reason for him to lie. I mean, I, I don't know why he'd be crossing it there. I know Volks is in quite a good position at the back post, but if you're a striker, you're going to try and score in that position. He'd left Wheater for dead. Wheater had only just caught him up when he went to shoot, and I think that's why it sort of spooned in off Wheater but it, it hit Wheater so early I'm not sure it's how easy it is to tell whether or not it was going to go in Ings has been on the official site saying he's going to claim it so I'm sure he'll try and get that done um, but he did all the hard work like Ings said so I think he deserves yeah. to have it good as his goal yeah he deserves it but whether he should be given it, it's just a different opinion in my opinion anyway I don't want to offend Andy anymore <laughs> We're going back to the striker yeah, thing. Going wide. There surely must be some other free strikers out there as a backup option in case we didn't get any of these ones we talk about. Well, we spoke about this briefly on Thursday night when we did a special podcast about Charlie Austin going. And one of the, one of the things that came out was Chris Borden from the Burnout Express revealed that had Austin gone to Hull as had been planned when the medical with his knee fell through, that Kevin Davies was going to sign for us. Mm. Now, presumably not as a first-team player, it would have been as cover and he'd have probably done some coaching, but Davies had been lined up to come in. So hopefully there's been other players they've been talking to and deals can be put through relatively quicker. I mean, these things take time. Yeah. But you would hope that targets have been identified and they can get it done fairly soon because you look at that side at the moment and goals are going to be a problem. I mean, we all want Ings to do well, but it's it's going to be a big ask for him to step up and score the 20, 25 goals we need. Talking about Hull there, uh, I like the look of Matty Fryer as well. 
Now, I don't know whether he'd be featuring in the plans this year and whether he'd command a big transfer fee, but he's quite a good goal scorer. I'd be looking at him. Of who signed a strike yet? They've signed someone called, is it Sagobo or something? From Evian in France. Well, that's Oh, and Danny Graham, aren't they? On loan. Oh, yeah, he's gone there. So he yeah, must be... Strike could be available, I suppose. Yeah, I'd be looking at that kind of player to draft in. Maybe about a million or less, hopefully. I don't know, I don't... It's, it's difficult to sort of guess fees because it, it so much depends on various factors like what the, what the selling club values the player at, how much pressure there is to sell, whether the player's trying to force for a move. It's incredibly difficult. But I would be hoping we can go out and buy a player for around a million pounds. I mean, you said earlier we could spend it on two or three different players. And one of the things I was going to bring up earlier was the fact that when the summer that we sold Kyle Lafferty to Rangers, we went out and split that money on Patterson and Eagles, and they played a huge role in this yeah. game promoted under Owen Coyle. So there is precedent there that you can sell a striker. Obviously, Lafferty, nowhere near as important to us as Austin was, but if we use that money well, it could be good for the squad in the end. What, what do you think the priority is for that money, Andy? I don't think that there will be much money left, to be honest, because... Um, Bruce Swindon are going to get, is it 15% they're supposed to have a cut off sell off? Yeah. I've seen like 2.25 knocking about, and did we pay 1.5 for him? It was around 1.5, yeah. So, so there's probably not that much money being made on the deal. No, which is a bit of a shame, really, when when last when he was banging all them goals in last January, you know, realistically, you could have said 10 million quid. Right, maybe we should have sold him then, but I just don't think that there'll be a lot of that money to be able to spend on uh, certainly transfer fees it might go in as, as wages but I just don't think that we're going to be able to sign anyone like a million pound plus I don't think the club will pay have the money to do that I think it'll go more to wages so whether we can get people on frees or or loans I think that's the way it'll turn out I think I think you're probably right but one of the concerns <laughs> I've got with doing that sort of business is it will our model at the moment seems to be to develop a player and then sell one player for big money every summer. I mean, it's been Austin this year, Rodriguez last year, Fletcher before that. We've seen players like Robbie Blake, Adi Akinbae, Andy Gray. The list as long as you're on the players that we've sold for yeah. good money. And we always seem to get good, play, good money for players. But if you look at the squad at the moment, we're very light on players you can see going for the three, four million pound fees that he's going to keep us ticking over. So if we do only bring in these frees and loans, yeah. you wonder in a couple of years' time where the assets are. I mean, there's players like Ings you would expect us to make profit on. It'll move on to somewhere bigger in time you would expect. And probably Trippier as well. But beyond that, I'm not sure we've got anyone that you would expect us to sell for good money. Stanislas? Possibly. I mean, he's <laughs> Stanis Junior's only got one year left on the contract, so... Unless we get him tied down, face losing him for nothing. The same as we did with Grant, McCann, Patterson yeah. this summer. Yeah, I, I think, think that was a big loss. Sorry, Andrew. No, I was just going to say, I think out of the, the Dave Jones-McCann thing, I think we might have got the better end of the deal on that one. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting Wigan were willing to let Jones go. I mean, Kyle obviously knows McCann from Birmingham, presumably thinks he's an is an upgrade on Jones, but I, I agree. Um, on Jones, I think McCann had stagnated in the last couple of years. Jones is fresh, he's 27, he should be at his prime. Yeah. I think Jones will be a good transfer for the club, and it, I think he's probably a better partner for, for Marnie than McCann has been for the last couple of years. 
Definitely. And I agree with what Andy was just about to say then. Sorry, Andy, about uh, we're missing Patterson as well. I think he'll be a big miss this year. Well, Patterson's an interesting one because he was never really prolific. Even in the promotion scene, he scored something like 19 in 62 or something, so he was still less than 1 in 3. But Patterson had assets that... Was prone to injury though, wasn't it? Sorry. Like his, his pace and his desire and passion. These are things that you you don't necessarily pay a lot of money for, but it's important to have these attributes in around the side. And if we're going to play a pressing game on the pitch, you need someone who's going to play that game. And if Noble's the sort of replacement for Patterson, he seems to be a bit of a step down for me, and I'm a bit concerned about that deal. Patterson was. Um was like a terrier, wasn't he? When he got on, he he, he did like want he to score, and he wanted us to win. And he played with he played with superb passion, and and just terrorised defences. And and they can't score when the when the defenders are under pressure all the time. And I think we we lack that sort of player. No, absolutely. And I think uh, maybe Arfield will be used as that sort of player from the bench. He he seems to snap into a few cha- challenges, and he got up and down the pitch quite well. But you look at the, the starting eleven. I think it's strong in some areas, but th- th- Andrew said earlier there's not much pace in the team. I think that's going to be a problem. If we're trying to play on the break, especially away from home, we're going to struggle to do that because we're just not quick enough. And you know, players like Ings and Stan is us to carry the ball quite well. No, I think that is a weakness in the squad. Not only pace, I think we're lacking a bit of creativity as well, to be honest. I think I agree with yeah. that. You've got Wallace who can, don't get me wrong, he's a very good crosser of the ball. But like I said with Stanislas early, neither are going to make like a spark, take a player on like I don't, Robbie Blake. He wasn't quick, but he could take a player on and create something out of nothing. I think we're lacking something like that. I think you're absolutely right, but players like that are quite rare. I always make the point when we talk about this lack of creativity that we've been quite spoiled for players like that in recent years. Before Blake, we had Glenn Little and even Eagles to an extent I mean these these are players who don't come on very often and we've had three of that type in the last ten years so they are they are hard to find but then also this is this the example of Wes had, who is that sort of creative player but never really fitted in anywhere and went to um, Norwich and did extremely well and they didn't pay a lot of money for him so there are players out there who can be real assets, but you have to find them sort of diamonds in the rough, if you will. Yeah, and I think that's where you have to utilise the loan market, I think, for that kind of player. Well, yeah, I think loans from the Premier League are going to be an interesting, um, an interesting thing to keep an eye on for all championship clubs, really. I think loan players often do make a big difference if you can get the right one. What were you about to say there, Andy? Just, uh, just going to say, like we <clears throat> talk about getting people on loan from Premier League and things and signing these players for this, that, and the other money. Um, you know, League One and Two, there's players in there, young players that are coming through. You know, they might, you know, that's that's generally where we pick sort of people up from, like Austin coming through. You know, um, uh, Wade Elliott, those sort of players that we got. You know, they were on the way up. You know, maybe we should be looking at that as opposed to you know getting these guys coming in on the way back down again. Yeah, I think you're right. You do have to identify these players who are going to be able to step up, and we've done that quite well with Austin and Ings. We are a bigger but club than, than the Rochdales, and with all due respect to them, you know, of this world, you know. 
No, you're right, and those are players that we should be able to tempt. But one of, one of the examples I bring up to that is uh, Naki Wells at Bradford City, who's never really done anything outside of League Two, but they still want a million pounds for him. And it's difficult to see us paying a million pounds for someone who's so untested at this level. That's when yeah. you need someone in recruitment. <laughs> well, exactly. Um, so, a little bit about York before we wrap this up. Um, do you think we'll win tomorrow night? We should be fairly comfortable, shouldn't it, Andrew? Yeah, I expect us to win, like I said. I think he'll mix it up a bit. Not too much, though. Um, probably about, I don't know, 2-0, maybe. Comfortable. Comfortable win. Um, would you go home with that, Andy, or do you think it'll be a bigger win? Well, I think... I think um, Fletcher, if he starts, I think he'll score. We'll probably go 1-0 down, but I think we'll win 6-1. 6-1? Is that a Danny Ings double hat-trick? It's only, only if he's playing. If not, it might only be 2-1. <laughs> <laughs> so Danny Ings will be a, a four-goal difference. Easy. Um, well, we'll leave it there for now. Thanks a lot for your company, everyone who's listened. Thanks to Andy and Andrew for joining us. Um, we'll be back tomorrow night for Norn and Never Live with all the updates from York City. And, of course, we'll be back next Monday night the podcast um, if you've joined us late then we'll um, put the listen again link on Facebook and Twitter for you we're at facebook.com slash and the Twitter address is at nonanevernet um, we'll have the link on the site as well and all the details about how you can download the podcast through iTunes uh, th- so thanks again for listening and we'll see you again soon Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.